Well, well, well. What do we have here? That's right. We're doing a little trolling today. Happy Monday to all of you Michigan fans out there. Isaiah Hole, your man on the ground. And I was on the ground at Spartan Stadium getting pelted with all kinds of hail, if you will. Uh, both the literal and figurative kinds. I'm also the publisher of Wolverine's Wire, the Michigan microsite through USA Today Sports Media Group. And I am your host of the Lockdown Wolverines pod- podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, all about your team every day. Today we are going to get into your team versus the Michigan State Spartans, who just lost to the Michigan Wolverines 21-7 to in a game that was not even that close, though your Michigan State friends will certainly try to tell you that it was because that's all they can do. We are going to get into a ton of stuff today. We're really going to just delve into the game. We're not going to do our normal around the Big Ten thing. We are going to talk, though, a little bit about Ohio State losing to Purdue. That's right, freaking Purdue. I know, Purdue has beaten Ohio State a bit, but Ohio State could not even contend with Purdue. They got ran off the field at Ross-Aid Stadium. So we're going to talk very briefly about that, but the majority of this show is going to be about Michigan State and Michigan. So let's get right into it. A lot of show to get to. So we're going to start with the pregame. And we're going to talk not just about what happened on the field pregame, but we're going to talk about just everything that led up to it this year. Because, you know what? Michigan State, they spent all this time wanting Michigan to be a rival. I mean, they are a rival. But they wanted Michigan to be... They wanted Michigan to take Michigan State as seriously as Michigan State takes Michigan. They wanted Michigan to hate them the way that they hate Michigan. Well, guess what? You got it. It happened. You you got Michigan's attention. Because even in 2017, I thought Michigan went into that game just kind of being like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, they'll come in, they'll it'll be adorable, and we'll just do what we do, and whatever. It'll be cool. So, I don't know that it was the wisest choice to, to do as much to piss off Michigan as, the, as Michigan State did. And make no mistake, Michigan State did piss off Michigan. There is this narrative that's been going around for years from the Michigan State fan base about how classy the Michigan State program is compared to Michigan. How everything Michigan done is uh, Michigan State does is class, and everything Michigan does is trash. Well, Michigan State fans, you have blinders on your eyes because you cannot see through your hatred of Michigan enough. Like Michigan could save a puppy drowning in a river, and Michigan State fans would would say that that puppy was being euthanized for something and Michigan just prolonged its life when it shouldn't have. That's that's the level of pathos that not all but I would say at least a vocal majority of Michigan State fans have towards the University of Michigan. So 
let's go back to the summer. That's when things kind of started amping up. You you had that I can't remember the name of the account, but you had that Michigan State fan t- uh, video account post the video of Devin Bush getting pushed over a pile after the play was dead, saying that there was proof of him not being tough. And then you had all kinds of Michigan alums, former players, the uh, you know the Mike McCrays and Khalid Hills of the world. I don't know if they were ones that actually said anything, but it's seems like they always pop up. Uh, McCray before he got his grad assistant job, but you know they they started coming up and defending everything. Obviously with Devin Bush, being like, "Are you serious? Like you're calling this tough? Like get out of here with this!" And that Twitter account kept on trying to fight back, and Michigan State fans were trying to fight back. Of course, Michigan was defending the honor of Devin Bush. I could understand if it was them going to like there was a a video of a hit in the 2016 game that Devin Bush made that was like a looked like a late hit looked like targeting didn't get called or whatever if you want to go to that and say like look at this punk I have no problem with that right I have zero problem with that but that's not what they did they took a cheap shot that a Michigan State player made against Devin Bush and tried to make him look tough and said and said look our guy's tough Devin Bush is not so then Devin Bush finally responds and calls them little bro Everyone goes nuts. I remember that day. I remember driving home from Detroit. I was down in. Uh, it was the day that Mich- that Chris Evans had his uh, his CE Star Seven on Seven tournament that he hosted. He and Karan Higdon had. And because I remember, I went I, after that. I went to finish working on everything in Detroit, uploading all the pictures. And I'm driving home. And I was about to drive home, and I had to write something on this Devin Bush situation. Since then, Devin Bush. Has gone, you know, and Chase Winovich both have gone on record that they hate Michigan State. That they absolutely hate Michigan State. So I'm pretty sure it was Devin that said like he he actually kind of hates Michigan State more than Ohio State because of all of this petty rivalry BS. So you have all that. Uh, Matt Dudek even that day that was the thing I remember really posting right then. You slam Michigan State because they they one of their education departments had a shirt that's misspelled education. So there was that. So then fast forward to big 10 media days and Michigan state running back LJ Scott goes on the dais at the podium for his podium session and calls Michigan little sister. But yeah, it's classy program, right? Okay. I know Mike Hart, little brother comment. After the 2007 game. I'm not necessarily condoning what Mike Hart said at that time. I am now. Weirdly, he says he regrets it now. But Michigan State, you are as far as your fan base is concerned and the way your team acts about Michigan, 2016, I can't, you know, however many days until they're locked into our stadium. All of that kind of stuff. You know, it's you, you've become, you might not have been then as far as the mentality, although you were, and probably my opinion, but you certainly have embodied everything about the little brother mentality. Now, listen, I am not a little brother. I don't have a little brother, but I've been around enough 
to see how my friends that are little brothers or have little brothers to see how they act. And that is how Michigan State fans and oftentimes the players, not all of them, I don't want to lump everybody into a group. There are certainly Michigan State players that, granted, I haven't kept in touch with any of them. I, I knew Cam Chambers back at the Army All-American game uh, back in 2017. He was an awesome kid. Awesome, awesome, awesome kid. He was like one of those ones where I was like, ugh, kind of hate that he's going to, to Michigan State of all places considering this dude is just sweet. But awesome, awesome kid. There, I I can assure you, there are more than just him on on these teams that are aw- like awesome guys. I'm not gonna lump everybody in and say they're all bad people. I think they make questionable decisions, and that starts at the top with Mark D'Antonio. I've had I've had multiple run-ins personally with Mark D'Antonio, and none of them have been terribly good. He's the only coach I can say that about. He doesn't even know to look at me that I was covering Michigan. Because of the first time that I ran into him, and I was like, hey, coach, I don't have time for this. What don't you have time for? To say hello? <laughs> like, I hadn't even started in official capacity at 24-7 sports yet. He didn't know who I was. Next time he saw me about a year later, he still didn't know who I was. Hey, coach, how you doing? Just glares at me. That's at the Breslin Center. For uh, It was just him and I. In, he was walking off the court. I was walking on the court. It's uh, at the end of halftime. He heard me. He looked at me. He chose to just glare at me. Glower at me. So anyway, Michigan State has always made things about Michigan, and Mark D'Antonio has always made things about Michigan. Do you remember? All of the pregame talk from Mark D'Antonio about what he was going to do to Michigan, how he's going to change the rivalry before the 2007 game. I do. I was a student at Michigan at the time. Do you remember the smirk on the sidelines when Michigan State went up by two scores? Like how self-satisfied Mark D'Antonio was in that moment? I certainly do. So if let's get into a little bit of the class part. Because there's this story false narrative that Mark D'Antonio is just this ultra classy guy and holds himself to a higher standard because after that 2007 game Mike Hart went out and made his little brother comment and then two days later or however long later it was only a couple days Mark D'Antonio's asked about it and this is what he says in quote does Mike Hart have a little brother or is he the little brother because he's and then he puts his hand up under his chin and says that tall and he like had his little his little laugh at that. Now, when was the last time that you've heard a college football coach mock a player from another team, let alone the rival? When was the last time you've heard that? Did Jim Tressel come out and mock Mike Hart's height? No. Did uh did Jim Harbaugh mock John Reschke for all of his comments from two years ago? No. Did uh, Woody Hayes punch a player for Clemson? Yes, that did happen. But, you know, that's I digress. Um, that's 
when was the last time that you've ever heard that? I have no, I can't recall another situation where a coach from the opposing team mocks a player from any other team. I've heard, I've heard there would be situations where like, well, that person said that and that's, you know, inaccurate, but we just worry about what we do in house or, Hey, that guy's a heck of a player. I have never heard a coach mock a player from another team. Mark D'Antonio went there in year one. But yet people say Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio are all class. In that same press conference, pride becomes before the uh, yeah, pride becomes before the fall, right? A couple years later, where's the threat? A couple years later, we're laying in the weeds. Year before that, walking off the field at Michigan after the flukiest play in the history of the rivalry, if not college football, Mark D'Antonio, after I had literally said to somebody, I think that I see that guy walking off the field not looking happy based off the way that his team is acting right now, the way they're celebrating, going around swearing at everybody. And listen, I didn't, I didn't, I heard a little bit of swearing at the end of the the Michigan Michigan State game on Saturday, but it was not it wasn't at the level as it was after the 2015 game. But I said to somebody, you know, I see a coach walk off the field not happy with the way his team celebrated. What happened literally 20 seconds after I said that? Where did all the Wolverines go as he's leaving the field? I can't Imagine Jim Harbaugh saying something like that. I can't imagine Brady Hoke having said something like that. I can't imagine Rich Rodriguez having said something like that. Certainly can't imagine Lloyd Carr, Gary Muller, or Bo Schembechler saying anything like that. But yeah, paragon of class. I'm sorry, no. Your class is a house constructed entirely of glass. And that became more apparent on Saturday than it ever has. Michigan State, you have no class. From your Tom Golston's in 2011 to your entire clan of O'Doyles, McPoyles, Bullas, whatever you want to call that family. To your little field walk on Saturday. I'm sure everybody knows. I don't need to explain what happened on the field walk. But don't tell me that that field walk was not premeditated. Just as Harbaugh said, and D'Antonio says, go check the video after he says it's BS. If you haven't seen the video, it's on our site at wolverineswire.com. D'Antonio smiling, walking five mi- five yards right behind, just as Harbaugh described. Check the tapes. They're in. Brian Lewerke admitted after the game that they were late. So spare me the revisionist history, Spartan fans, that's going around like wildfire saying that Oh, they were on time. Michigan just refused. Brian Lewerke admitted they were late. Michigan had the rights to the field at 10. Michigan was on the field at 10. Michigan State arrived around 10. I know that my picture of Mark D'Antonio as he as the team got there, as Michigan State arrived, was at 10.01. Time stamped. 
according to what I had the camera. I didn't even I didn't make sure the camera was had the correct time necessarily, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. The event staff did not clear the field like some people are saying that they tried to do. I was standing on the field at the time. They did not try to they did not try to do anything of that sort. The only thing they tried to do was make sure that the camera people, us, Fox, were out of the way for when Michigan State walked on onto the field. That was it. They sat there and marveled about the helmets, and they there was one guy who brought up and said, I've never seen them come out with the helmets before. And then got one other said, Yeah, they did it a few like a few years back. So it's not a completely new thing that they are doing it for the Michigan game, but it isn't normal. Michigan State, they got the feet on the field. They started walking. Mark D'Antonio was in front of them. They unlocked arms for D'Antonio. So it wasn't like they had this, we don't unlock our arms for any reason. Hell, if you watch some of the videos that are out there, they unlocked arms for Kalik Hudson, who kind of looked like he hadn't seen him coming. But then, then comes Devin Bush, Lawrence Marshall, you know, the Levert Hill one is egregious to me. They knocked his headphones off and everything like that because the way that Levert made it sound, and Levert's a pretty calm, unassuming guy. I really do trust what he has to say about it. It just sounds like they were trying to, you know, do something. And Levert says, well, we're not going to be petulant like they are. We're going to keep it classy. We're going to do our thing on the field. I've had some off-the-record conversations with some people on the Michigan side of things, and they all fully believe that this was completely premeditated on Michigan State's part. That it was a ploy to intimidate Michigan. Now, if Mark D'Antonio came out after the game and said, yeah, we wanted to do so, we knew that we were had an uphill battle, we wanted to do what we could to fire up our team. Michigan State fans wouldn't be saying what they're saying about Michigan refusing, blah, blah, blah. What they would be saying is, look at the gamesmanship that Mark D'Antonio brings to this. People nationally would be like, look at how he just goes that extra mile to try to fire his team up. Michigan, caught in the crosshairs of this, is look at how, look at the, the look at the, those thugs, look at those guys that, that just they're so arrogant. Now, say what you will about the Devin Bush thing that happened after that where he's scraping up the field with his cleats. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I think you should have just let it go. But it did make the tempers rise that much and Michigan won that battle. You can back it up with your play on the field, especially after that stunt Michigan State pulled. Michigan State doesn't pull that stunt. Devin Bush doesn't do that. Keep in mind, there's a cause and effect here at play. So just spare me all of that. All of the Devin Bush is a classless whatever. Devin Bush did that as a retaliation to what Michigan State did. Whether you think that Michigan was told to get off the field or not. It was evident that that was a retaliation. He said as much. It was a retaliation. Anyway, that's it for that.
Michigan State, those of you that want to act like you are holier than thou, the ones of you who want to say going into this game 8-2, and two, ones of you that hold four fingers up after whatever, your house is constructed entirely of glass and feathers, and it came crumbling down this weekend. Now, Michigan has some work to do if it wants to get back into the regular winning things against Michigan State, but hey, these players, most of these players that played in this game, the Devin Bushes of the world, the Kalik Hudsons of the world, are 2-1 and one against you. They are not 4-8. and eight. They are 2-1. and one. And so we're going to get into the game a bit itself. Now, you know what I found really interesting? The girl I'm seeing, she doesn't really watch football, but she she wants, wants to watch a little bit more football because of what I do and everything. So I'm sitting on the couch with her the night before, and she's like, you know how I'm going to watch the game? She pulls out her phone and shows me an app, and it's Sling TV. Because you don't want to watch the game, you have to. And you know what? She she doesn't have a lot of channels that she want wants to to pay for. She she lives in a nice little farmhouse, no internet, no TV, and she can pick her channels. She doesn't have to pay for twenty channels. She's never going to watch Sling TV is the best way for her to do that. Best way for her to watch college football if she decides to do that. Thirty dollars a month, ESPN, Pac twelve Network, SEC Network. Stream on your big screen or all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV that you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees. Cancel at any time. Sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Lockdown Wolverines listeners can get their seven-day free trial for, by going to sling.com slash lockdown. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash lockdown. All right, let's get into the actual game for a bit this show's running long i hope you guys know that and it's gonna stay running long 32 minutes probably gonna go beyond that we'll see maybe we won't but we'll see obviously we have a lot to talk about still so michigan state michigan state two sides of the ball offensively defensively we're gonna start with offense kind of we're gonna kind of go all over the place a little uh Jeremy Barramy here. That's a uh, good place reference for those of you who uh, don't watch that wonderful show on NBC. Um, 94 total yards of offense. I predicted that Felton Davis was going to have 100 yards receiving in this game. But Ryan Lewerke had 66 yards passing in this game. 94 total yards of offense. 74 yards passing, 15 yards rushing. That, for a team that's supposed to be good at passing the ball, which they've been good. They haven't been great, but they've been very good. They've been the upper upper third of passing the ball. Offense, upper third of college football. 94 total yards of offense. I cannot recall... Such a thorough domination of a team 
offensively than what just happened. Right? Like, that is insane. Like, Michigan's defense absolutely clowned on Michigan State. Because that's just... Look look at the Michigan State game for Michigan in the negative 48 yards rushing. Michigan still had 216 yards passing in that game for 168 total yards. The next year, 186 yards total. Not good outputs, but double 94. That's how insane that was. My my lady sent me a meme. She's a Sparty, by the way. Um, you know, she, she lives out in that area, grew up in that area. She sent me a meme last night. It's because Michigan had it, it's, she said it was, uh, when this little walk that you make before the game has more yard offensive yards than you, <laughs> Michigan had nine penalties for 99 yards. Michigan's penalties got more offense than you. Now, on the other side of the ball, the former number one rushing defense, may it rest in peace, allowed Karan Higdon to get 144 yards rushing. As a result, Karan Higdon went from being the ninth best rusher in the country to the seventh best rusher in the country in yards per game. Michigan got 183 yards total on the ground. Now, it was one of those things where I, I was saying that Harbaugh should go away from the run if it wasn't there and get credit to Jim Harbaugh for sticking with it. Cause I was complaining all game long about the lack of passing plays. Part of it is I want to take good pictures and running the ball up the middle. Doesn't always allow for that. Especially like first down, let's mix things up a little bit, but they stuck with it. And if you're still one of those people that's bashing on the offensive line, I'll credit. I haven't seen many Michigan fans doing that. In the last couple of weeks, I'm sure they're out there though, because my best friend was texting me saying that people were bashing on Shea Patterson all game, which come on, people stop it. That's absurd. It's time to get with the program because the offensive line did an amazing job this game. Pro football focus had John Runyon as one of its highest graded players of the entire game across both teams. I think he was number three or no, he was number four because it was, Chase Winovich, David Long, Kenny Willickis for Michigan State, then John Runyon. So, Shea Patterson was not asked to do too much again, and it was more of a struggle for him through the air, which is to be expected given... uh, Now, they didn't have... Michigan State doesn't have the greatest pass defense, so you thought, like, all right, throw against them, and you could see why they don't have a very good pass defense with that 79-yard touchdown to Donovan Peoples-Jones. But... And I do like Shea, what he said after about that play after the game. Well, one-on-one coverage on uh, DPJ, well, good luck with that. But they still made the plays they needed to make. Make no mistake, Michigan State was only in this game because of Michigan's mistakes. And they weren't even in it. They were just tied. Yeah, there was some feeling that maybe some Sparty voodoo could come come to play, but... Not really. Offensively, they could do nothing. 
And don't give me your injury excuses because I've been seeing that as well. Lewerke said he had an injury after the game. That he was he had a messed up right shoulder. Isn't it funny how it didn't really matter last year that Michigan was playing a second string quarterback? It doesn't really matter this year that Rashawn Gary wasn't in. Doesn't really matter that this was Tariq Black's first game of the season and he was just in on three snaps and was never targeted. It doesn't really matter because everyone's injured at this point of the season. Everyone. That's football. Yet Brian Lewerke went out there. Remember, Wilton Spate wasn't played against Ohio State with like a we don't know what. Separated shoulder, broken collarbone, we don't know what. In 2016, he still completed like 60% of his passes, right? Against one of the nation's top defensive lines. Brian Lewerke threw for 20% of his passes, 5 for 25. That's the lowest a Big Ten quarterback has had. Lowest completion percentage a Big Ten quarterback has had in 20 years. That's on the Michigan defense. Brian Lewerke was uncomfortable all game long. But it's what the Michigan defense has been doing. It's not just this season. It's what Don Brown's defense does. At what point is it that quarterbacks aren't just missing guys? They're missing guys, yes. Sometimes they're open. But it's because they're getting chased by the likes in this game, Chase Winovich, Quiddy Pay, Josh Uche. It's cause and effect. Now, where I do feel sorry, I do feel bad. I really wanted to see an epic battle with Felton Davis. And unfortunately, he sounds like he tore his Achilles. I You could see the emotion the moment he went down. So I felt terrible for him. But he did play for about a half. And Michigan rotated guys on him and he was shut down in that half. So my game ball goes to Karan Higdon, personally. I was wrong by saying Harbaugh should go away from the run if it wasn't working. The offensive line and the run game won the game by the end. Michigan had 41 minutes of possession time against a team that was top 10 in the country at time of possession going into the game. Pass game did set it up. The offensive line did its job, but Karan Higdon, you got the job done. And that's what iced the game. So... That's all I got to say about the game, especially because we were already at the point that we should have ended this podcast, but we still have one more segment left. We're going to actually go through with that. But first, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on their podcast. Our demographic is 98% male and has more education and earns more than the traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsored this podcast Email me at LockedOnWolverines at gmail.com. And, hey, we've about tripled to quadrupled the amount of people that were listening to the show three weeks ago. So it's there. Email me. We'll talk more. After the break, more post-game st- uh, more Michigan State stuff, talking now about a little bit of the post-game stuff and about Ohio State and Purdue. All right, there were some things to talk about post-game about the way Michigan-Michigan State went, and then obviously Ohio State lost to the Boilermakers and got ran off the field in West Lafayette. We're going to get into that. But, you know, 
A Perfect Circle is coming to town to Detroit on my birthday, and I want to go. You know how I'm probably going to do that if I decide I'm actually going to go? Vivid Seats, because I can do so at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price, or you can look for seats in the section and row of your choice, which is the most important thing to me. Make things even easier. Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off of orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or to Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off of orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, and speaking of, I'm pretty sure Brooklyn Mormon's coming to Detroit pretty soon, so you got to do that as well. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter promo code Locked On for orders of $20 off of orders of $200 or more. Man, we got so close before I transposed those. All right, so if you didn't catch it after the game, Harbaugh called Mark D'Antonio Bush League for everything that happened. Said that it was absolute Bush League. And, uh, you know, described the situation perfectly. Said, I wasn't there, but I, you know, heard he was walking five yards behind them with a big smile on his face. And there's video that corroborates that. Kron Higdon, some other players said that Michigan State were talking trash uh, all in the lead-up this week leading up to the game. But Michigan said, we're just going to play our game on the field. Now, yeah, they ended up doing a little bit more than that on the field. But still. Then after that, you get Chase Winovich going out and calling Michigan State little brother again. But you know what? I have no problem with that based off of everything. Based off of how all the actions all and still considerable whining that's going on. Now, that's going to happen with any team, any fan base after your team loses, especially a rivalry game. But, yeah, I have no problem with that, especially this time around. You wanted a rivalry, Michigan State? Well, guess what? You've got one now. You've got a Michigan team that is super pissed off and wants to beat you more than it ever has every single year. And it wants to beat you down and it wants to hold you to ungodly amounts of Offense and defense and all of that. So, congratulations. That's all I'm going to say about that. We've talked about this game quite a bit. Um, about all the glass houses and everything. So, we'll we'll end by saying, Michigan State, you are not a classy program. Michigan State, you're sometimes a dirty program. Sometimes. I'm not saying dirty like Auburn was with Cam Newton. I'm not saying dirty like Ole Miss was with everything. I'm not saying dirty like that, but I'm going to say, you know, on the field, you saw, if, if you saw the Michael on when you video clip or you haven't go to Wolverine's wire, it's on there about one dude trying to Jacob Ponisiak trying to twist, uh, twist Cesar Ruiz's helmet after a play was done, which is why on when you got his personal foul, as he pushed him off him. Congratulations, Michigan state. You have a team that has the talent to beat you, unlike some of those other teams, and wants to. Okay, finishing up. Ohio State-Purdue. Ohio State got ran right off the field, uh, which is amazing in every single way. So uh, I I got to watch a bit of that game. I had it on the iPad while I was doing some work. And uh, it was a little bit lagged, so I I was behind the world uh, just because not great signal where I was at. But, man, was it amazing. And uh, 
Now, here's here's the thing. People were taking offense. Mostly Purdue people were taking offense to the tweet I, I put out there. I said that feeling when you know Michigan beats a rival and Ohio State loses to freaking Purdue. I had some Purdue people in my mentions being like, hey, we've, took, we've, we've taken care of business against Ohio State before. I know they've beaten them like five times in the last like seven or something like that, but that's not what I meant. I mean, Ohio State is a monolithic program, right? Michigan's supposed to be on the same par as Ohio State. They haven't been in obviously a while. But Ohio State, there's there there's not really many teams that's like, oh, they have Ohio State's number, right? But oh Iowa, yeah, Iowa beat Ohio State last year, and that was surprising. This game was surprising. It's not surprising when Clemson beats Ohio State. It's surprising when Clemson shuts them not out like that. But Ohio State doesn't lose a lot of games, and it certainly doesn't get blown out in a lot of games. So for Purdue to blow Ohio State out, that's incredible. As a result of everything, Ohio State and Penn State now have defenses because Penn State also struggled against Indiana. Their defenses are in the lower half of all of college football, in the 70s out of 130 teams. Ohio State allowed 550 yards of total offense to Purdue. Now, here's the crazy thing. These two things. Number one, 76 yards rushing for Ohio State. I think maybe that Karan Higdon, Mike Weber situation probably worked out for Michigan. And Dwayne Haskins, Yeah, he threw for a lot. He threw the ball 73 times. That's more than Michigan tends to throw in three games. If Shea Patterson threw 73 times, he would have 600 yards of passing, by the way. (laughs) So, anyway, enjoy it. It was a heck of a weekend. We have Jim Harbaugh today, even though it's a bye week, so tomorrow we'll get into whatever he has to say. I'm sure he'll have something interesting since they scheduled him today. Last time in bye week, we had Jim Harbaugh for a formal press conference. He talked about how much he hated everything about Purdue's uh, facilities. So we'll see what that's all about. For the Locked on Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole. You can find me online at Isaiah Hole. Follow the podcast at on Wolverines or Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email me at LockdownWolverines at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, or online at WolverinesWire.com, where we post our daily podcast every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day.